Let me just let me just ask somebody. Anybody already this year uh, feel like you've taken some shots already in your life? Not like alcohol shots. Not y'all. Let me clarify. Like you've taken some blows. Let me not say shots, because some of y'all talking about, yeah, no. <laughs> Always got to be clear. <laughs> Won't leave nothing to chance. Anybody feel like they've uh, had some hard times already this year? Hit some walls this year? Do me a favor. I want y'all to help me uh, announce this subject. Look at a neighbor you like. Say, neighbor, today, we're God's power and our prayers. Pastor T's asking the question, what do I do now? Let the church say setback. A setback is a loss of progress. A setback is a defeat of a plan. A setback is a reversal of good fortune. In other words, a setback is anything that sets you back. All of us have gone through setbacks. All of us have come back from setbacks. But what do you do when your setback seems irreversible? What do you do when it seems the door is closed never to open again? What do you do when your setback appears to be permanent? To answer that question today, we're going to look at the life of a man named Job. Job's a very unique book. It falls almost in the middle of the Old Testament, but historically it was the first book uh, believed to be written because there's no mention of the law, no mention of the temple or the... There's so many things that are omitted. We believe Job was the first book in the Bible to be written. Job, the, the man whose name is on the book, was the wealthiest man in the world. He was very famous. He was very important. He was very influential. But on one single day, he lost everything. His sons and daughters were murdered all on the same day. If that's not enough, natural disasters wiped out all of his crops and livestock. So he lost all of his wealth, he lost his family, and he became deathly ill with an incurable and extremely painful disease. Now, you want to talk about a bad day. Everything that could go wrong went wrong in Job's life. This is a setback. And from Job's perspective, it seemed irreversible. So much so, Job chapter 30, verse 26 says this, But when I hoped for good, evil came. And when I waited for light, darkness came. My inward parts are in turmoil and never still. Days of affliction come to meet me. And I have a sneaky suspicion that some of you who are in the room, some of you who are viewing, you may feel something like Job. But I've got good news for you. This isn't the end of the story. If this isn't the end of the story, T, what do I do when I feel devastated by something that's so big I believe I'll never come back from it? What do I do when the bottom has fallen out? What do I do when the ceiling has caved in on me? What do I do when the walls have closed in on me? You trust God. 
That's all I got for you. All you do is trust God. Whatever you do, make sure you trust God. If you sing, trust God and sing. If you pray, trust God and pray. If you wait, trust God and wait. But whatever you do, tell somebody you got to trust him. You got to trust him. Well, what do you mean by trust him? Let's dive right into this outline. First thing you do, and we're going to spell trust out, is you tell God exactly how I feel. It's the first thing I do when I'm going through a situation and I don't know what to do now. It feels irreversible. The first thing I do is tell God exactly how I feel. When I'm in pain, tell God how I feel, not how I think I ought to feel. Not how I think I should feel. Some of us just tell too many lies when we're going through. I know everything is going to be all right. No, you don't, but you know you ought to feel like everything is going to be all right. I know God is in control. No, you really think it's out of control, else you wouldn't be stressing. Tell him how you actually feel. Job chapter 1 verse 20, then Job arose after all hell had broken loose. He arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. This is Job in total humility, total despair. His doubt is in there. His frustration is in there. His anger is in there. And anytime you suffer a loss, you're going to have emotions like this. So what we're going to be today is real, all right? We're not going to play like, so anger. Why did this have to happen to me? Why my husband? Why my wife? Why my son? Why my daughter? Why my mother? Why my father? You're going to be angry when you have a loss. Why did I get laid off? Why did I lose my job? Then you're going to go through grief. What have I lost? Better yet, what do I have left to live for? Then you'll go through shock. What is going on? I wasn't ready for this. Am I helping anybody already? I was not expect. This is not what I signed up for. Then you go through fear. What do I do now? How do you expect me to move on? We need to express every one of these emotions to God. And he can handle them because the only reasons we have feelings and emotions is because we're made in his image and God has emotions. He can handle our emotions because they came from him. Job was brutally honest with God. Look at chapter 7, verse 11. I'm reading a lot today. I hope y'all brought y'all Bibles, but that's what I'm preaching out of. Job chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore... I will not restrain my mouth. I ain't going to hold my tongue. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Job says, I ain't going to be quiet. I'm mad. I'm angry. And I got to say something. It's in your Bible too, right? I know you've been taught you don't do all this stuff, but that, the devil done made a fool out of us, and we're having mental health breakdowns because we're holding all this stuff bottled up on the inside, and God is saying, why? I ain't afraid of your words. The right response to loss, tragedy, or disaster is not to grin and bear it. 
God does not want us to fake emotions. He want us he wants us to honestly tell him how we are feeling. God, I'm struggling. God, I'm grieving. God, I'm hurting right now. God, I'm in a lot of pain. God, I'm depressed. God, I'm discouraged. God, I'm having some doubts. And I don't know where we got this theology or this religious belief that you have to be strong in every moment, especially us. If you listen to the songs that got us through, they were expressing emotions. They were expressing, I'm right If the Lord don't help me, that don't sound like everything is all right. Job was honest, but Job never stopped trusting God. When he was angry, upset, even when he didn't understand it, he didn't agree with it. He was confused. He thought God just was messing up everything. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. After he expressed his fears, his questions, his frustrations, and his doubts, he says, I'm still going to trust you. But I'm going to tell you how I feel because I know you can handle it. I got a question. What frustrations have you never talked about? You haven't talked to God about it, much less a therapist or a counselor. What frustrations at work haven't you talked about? What frustrations in your marriage haven't you talked about? What frustrations with your body haven't you talked about? What frustrations in a relationship or a friendship have you not talked about? What about that frustration with a relative that you're feeling right now? And you, you haven't talked to God about it, but you know you don't like it. You know you're not good with it. Let me tell you something. God can handle it. The first step to trusting God on your way back that's what a comeback is, is to tell him exactly how you feel. Tell God. Tell the Lord. I must tell Jesus. Don't tell your friends. They may be, they, 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 let me tell you something. Everybody can't handle your feelings. Everybody can't handle your emotions. Everybody can't handle you at your lowest point. Everybody can't handle you at, at your, your worst. Everybody can't handle that. But Jesus. Well, the first thing I do is tell God exactly how I feel. The second thing I do is refuse to become bitter. Refuse to become bitter. It's okay. Tell God you're mad. It's okay to tell God you're sad. It's okay to tell God you're angry. It's okay to tell God you're depressed. But don't let that grief or frustration or worry turn into resentment and bitterness. Because really what bitterness is, it's, <laughs> bitterness is really saying, I don't trust you, God. That's what bitterness really is. Bitter is just saying, I don't see the big picture and you don't either. Preach to you, you're doing the best you can. I feel like I ought to say, and the Lord said, prophesy to these bones. 
and tell these bones. It's a little quiet in here. When the flames are being turned up in my life and I'm getting burned on every side, God, how could you let this happen to me if it turns to bitterness? It's saying, God, I don't understand what you're doing. I'm not just mad. I'm bitter and I'm resentful toward you. Now, Job didn't get bitter. He saw the big picture. And for somebody sitting in this room today, somebody watching, my prayer is that for the first time, you're going to see the big picture. And the big picture is that God is still in control. Job chapter 1, verse 21. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. The ultimate test of faith is this. Will you worship God even when everything is going wrong in your life? How do you trust God when your heart is breaking? How do you fix your eyes on God when they are filled with tears? The antidote to pain is actually praise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worship will work if you let it. Because you cannot worship without fully focusing on God. Uh, Worship, in, in some cases, worship means to spotlight. You know what a spotlight does? It illuminates whatever it's shining on, and at the same time, it makes everything it's not shining on seem darker. So when I worship, I focus my eyes on the goodness of the Lord, and I forget everything else that's good. When I worship, I forget about how I'm fit. When I worship, I realize it could have been worse. When I worship, I realize God has been better to me than I've been to myself. Worship, two words, worthy and ship, worth and ship. He's worthy of of everything. I I, I might not be, I might not be. You know, one thing about a worshiper, uh, you don't really have to have a good track record. You don't really have to have good credit. That should have made somebody shout. You, You don't really have to have good friends. You don't really have to have a great portfolio. All you gotta have is a great memory. I need about. 300 people in the sanctuary right now to remember something God has already done for you. When I look back down the road of my life, see where God has brought me from and remember what he's done. (laughs) Remember. 
both bitterness and happiness are choices. And every moment of life, we're always choosing one or the other. My question is, which one do you want? Joe said, the Lord gave me everything I ever had. And if he allows it to be taken away, I'm going to trust him because I wouldn't even exist if it wasn't for God. We're just going to talk through this today. That's all right? So, so the next thing I do is I unite with others who will help me focus on God. I unite with others who will help me focus. It is hot in here. Do you hear me? Don't turn no air on, nothing like that. No, don't do none of that. It's, I want to keep my voice. It's just this suit is hot. If it, I'm going to be up here preaching in a short set and some flip-flops. I unite with others who are going to help me focus on God. For any comeback, hear me well, you're going to need somebody in your life that can believe God for you while your faith is shaky for a little while. You need somebody who can step in and hold on for you when you want to let go. You need somebody who can grab a hold to you and thank God long enough for you to catch up. is why you hear me talking about impact groups, impact groups, impact groups, all along, small groups. I don't care if it's studies in Christian living, impact groups. You need to be in a small group every week, every other week. And that's why this church is built on small groups. Because let me tell you something. The one thing that the pandemic has done is allowed us to worship from the comforts of home. The problem is you're going to need times when you need more than you and the people in your house. You're going to need to be able to speak to somebody. I don't care if it's in a home, on Zoom, in a classroom, at church. You're going to need a safety net when your setbacks show up. You're going to need some people that can stand with you and the people in the house with you when the devil comes after your house. Because let me tell you, if he ain't been by there yet, he's on your way. Or he's on his way. God never intended for us to go through life on our own. He never intended for us to go through grief on our own, sorrow on our own, tragedy on our own, loss on our own. He never intended for us to deal with difficulty by ourselves. He made us for each other. He wired us to need each other. I'm always talking about we're better together. We're better in community. If you don't believe me, the first thing God said to man, it wasn't hello. Some of y'all would have said God was rude. He didn't speak. He didn't say good morning. How you doing? First thing he said was it's not good for man to be alone. And you think it's all right. I'm alone. I'm by myself. The devil is making a fool out of you. And that's how he's picking you off. That's why your blood pressure is high. That's why you're stressing. Because he made you think you were an island. You were not meant to be an island. One of the problems when we're having a setback and 
when we're going through pain or when we're suffering or when we're sorrowful or when we're sad or something like that. The, the natural reaction to pain is to withdraw from other people. At what point are all of you saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost folks going to stop reacting naturally and start reacting spiritually? We want to put a wall up around ourselves. We want to put a barrier up around ourselves. We want to keep people at a distance. We don't want anybody close to us when we're in deep pain. That's the exact opposite. One of Job's friends, Elihu, Elihu, however you want to pronounce it, he gave him some good advice. It was chapter 36, verse 18. He said, beware, lest the wrath entice you into scoffing, and let not the greatness of the ransom turn you aside. Will your cry for help avail to keep you from the distress or all the force of your strength? Do not long for the night when peoples vanish in their place. Take care and do not turn to iniquity for this you have chosen rather than affliction. Behold, God is exalted in power. Who is a teacher like him? Who has prescribed for him his way or who can say you have done wrong? Remember to extol his work of which men have some. So let me just recap this for you. First of all, he says, don't use evil to escape pain. Don't try to avoid it by self-medicating. Avoid drugs. Avoid getting drunk. Because when you come down off your high and when you sober up, your pain is still there. You can't jump on a plane, in a train, or automobile and escape it because your problems don't have to pass through TSA. And don't let your flesh make a fool out of you. Don't you let a sudden dilemma become self-destructive. You know it's wrong. But trying to relieve or escape pain, you do dumb stuff anyway. Joe's friend says, it's a better alternative. Is to increase the amount of time that you spend hanging out with God's people who are focusing on God. That's what worship is. When you need to come back, get with people who can build you up, encourage you, and help you focus on God. Let me tell you, worship makes you wiser. Worship gives you strength. Worship relaxes you from stress. Worship encourages you because you remember that God is bigger than your problem and he's bigger than the setback that's standing up against you now. Now, where do you find these kind of friends who lift you up when you're down? Where you are now. If they're not worshiping before you had a problem, don't trust their worship while you're having a problem. 
But those of you who are watching online, let me tell you something. Uh, every now and then, you ought to make your way to the sanctuary. Amen. I, I know you're at home in your pajamas and you feel good and you feel safe, but it ain't no more COVID in here that's in Walmart. In Sam's, in the movie theater, on the plane, train, or automobile. Don't listen. You can get over. Miss me with that lazy stuff. You go everywhere. It's in the post office. It's in the bank. Y'all who still writing checks everywhere, and using snail mail. It's there too. But there are some benefits to being in the sanctuary. Let me, let me keep it going. So, Paul talks about the benefit of having people pray for you in a small group. Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, he says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Paul is saying that prayer is one path back to your comeback. That's why we need these small groups. That's why I keep pushing them. Because you need some people praying for you when you're going through tough times. As a matter of fact, let me prove to you what I'm saying. If if I'm talking to you, if I mention you, I I want you to jump to your feet real quick. Anybody in here that's still dealing with grief, I want you to stand. Anybody here dealing with conflict, I want you to stand. Anybody here dealing with the loss, I want you to stand. Anybody here dealing with loneliness, I want you to stand. Anybody dealing with chronic pain, I want you to stand. Anybody dealing with a health setback, I want you to stand. Anybody that's dealing with stress or financial setback, I want you to stand. Father, right now in the name of Jesus. I'm asking you to meet the needs represented by those who are standing. I know that you care about them. I know that we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Thank you for creating us, but thank you for giving us this church family. And I'm asking you, God, for the same thing that that, that Job asked for. I'm asking you to give us wisdom for our situations. I'm asking you to give us strength in our setbacks. For those who are in pain right now, God, give them relief. For those who are having a hard time sleeping, God, because they're worrying, I ask you to take insomnia out of the equation. Together as a church family, we're asking you to encourage our hearts. We're asking you to encourage our family members. And we're standing and trusting in the name of Jesus. Let everybody say amen. You can take your seats. Anybody feel better after a prayer? Sometimes it just feels good to know that somebody's praying for what you're dealing with. I'm almost done. The next thing I want to do as we're working down this word trust is surrender my future to God. I surrender my future to God. Anytime you have a setback, y'all correct me if I'm wrong. Tell me, let, let me know if you agree with me. When you have a setback, what paralyzes you is the fear of the future. You lose a loved one, it's the fear of how the future looks without them. You lose a job, it's the fear of how you're going to sustain yourself. You lose a friend, it's the fear of having somebody fill that void. It just, it just happens. And when you've had a setback, I'm going to apologize in advance for saying this. Sometimes you're going to get some really bad advice. 
And sometimes that advice is going to come from trusted friends and family members who really love you. In Job's case, came from his wife. Job 2 and 9, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from God and shall not receive evil? And all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job said, I don't like it. I don't understand it. But if you think I'm going to curse God, you done bumped your head. And she meant well. She was saying, it can't get no worse. Go on, do something, so he'll take you out of here. And let me tell you something. There'll be some well-meaning people in your life who will give you the worst advice you've ever had. Anybody? Don't raise your hand. You, don't, 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 don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your, don't raise your hand. I just realized some of them people might be sitting next. I don't want to talk get bust upside the head in here. I see your head. <laughs> After all God has done to me, if I got to go through a storm every now and then, it's worth it. As good as God has been to me, if I got to cry every now and then, I know he'll dry my tears. If I got to fall, he'll pick me up. Then Job gives one of the most profound statements you'll ever read in Scripture. Job 13, verse 15, though he slay me, I will hope in him. Yet I will argue my ways to his face. And even if God takes my life. I still, that's surrender. I know I got about 200 surrender folks in the sanctuary that can say, no matter what happens in my life, I belong to God. I may not understand it, but I belong to God. I know he made me and I know he loves me and I know he has my best interest at heart. I know He's in control, and one day I'm going to live with him in heaven. But when I, I'm going to tell him how I feel. This is the ultimate expression of mature faith. How mature is your faith? You got fair weather faith that only trusts God when things are going good. You only love the Lord at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Or is your faith strong enough to handle a setback? You can tell people whose faith is strong enough to handle a setback because some people, if it starts sprinkling, they just flip out and fall all out and come unraveled at everything. Everything stresses. Oh, I'm just stressed. Oh, I'm, I'm asking people sometimes, how do you get stressed every 15 seconds? How do you get depressed every time the sun goes in? What kind of faith do you have? I tell you.
you what? Survey your vocabulary. How many times do you use faith and trust versus you use depressed and stress? I said it. Get on my nerves. I know you get on the Lord's nerve. Jesus. Let me give you this last letter. T. Here's the last thing I'm going to do. I trust Jesus for every detail of my comeback. Every. I was reading an article, and this article made me sit back in my seat and take a deep breath. It said, a few years ago, there was a devastating wildfire in, in Southern California. And what was puzzling nobody could figure out what was going on was that most of the homes that burned down had fire-resistant rooftops. They were safe from the fiery embers. You know, embers are those pieces of the roof of fire that flow through the sky and the wind takes them from house to house and when they land on the roof, the roof catches on fire, then the house burns down. But many of these roofs were fire resistant and they still burned down. People couldn't understand why. And then they looked. Here's what happened. Many of these hot embers landed in the gutters. And the gutters were filled with dry leaves that had not been cleaned out. They had piled up for months and those leaves ignited instantly and the fire got so hot it burned and melted the gutters and the gutters on the houses burned down the entire house and left the roof there. Let me tell you something. As your pastor, I love you, but I don't want to see your life go up in smoke. So let me ask you a question. What's in the gutter of your life that you need to clean out? What is it that you've neglected to clean out of your life that's sitting there waiting to spark a fire, sitting there waiting to burn your whole life down? I know your house looks good today. You got on your Sunday's best. You look good today. Your lawn looks manicured and cleaned. It's kept together. You've got curb appeal in your life today, but I can't see the bitterness in your gutter. I can't see the worry in your gutter. I can't see the loneliness in your gutter. I can't see the confusion in your gutter, the tension in your gutter, the guilt in your gutter, the fear in your gut that's waiting for one ember. Somebody needs to have your gutters clean today so that when the fire comes along, you're not vulnerable to destruction. Job's friends just <laughs> came and sat there and looked at him. Read the story. Sat and looked. And then when they started speaking, one of them was like, well, what did you, you done something. You had to do something for God to do this. Yeah, God, I ain't just go, Job, you can tell us. We your friends. 
Joel went through a whole little thing, and he finally got real bold and started questioning God. <laughs> I guess God got fed up and said, hold on, man. So since we're asking questions, <laughs> let, let me take over the groove. Where were you when I made the sun, the moon, and the sun? Where were you? In other words, if you can't answer these questions, we have no conversation. Then uh, he told Joe's friends, the only way I'm going to bless you is if Joe prays for you. Since you came and talked down to Job, you ran him down and put, you know, you done lied on me, Tom, but I was punishing him for something he didn't do. You didn't realize I'm God. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. How I want to do it, where I want to do it, with whom I want to do it. So until Job prays for you, you stuck like Chuck. Verse 42 and 10, chapter 42, verse 10. Job says, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. And when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had. Before God double what Job lost in his setback. Who wouldn't want double for your trouble? There's only one person. I'm done now. There's only one person who can give you double. His name is Jesus. What do I do now? Trust him. We just gave you everything you do when you trust him. Don't knock it till you try it. Somebody in here right now, this is the last day. You're going to grieve like you've been grieving. Unhealthy grief is over today. You're not going to be a prisoner of that pain anymore after today. But you got to be serious. I don't want to keep coming to church Sunday after Sunday. And we hear God speak and the message is good and we act like it wasn't for us. What good are directions if you don't follow them? What good are instructions if you don't follow them? I know it was a throwback Sunday and we were talking about the 80s. I believe that the same God, let me just go through my life, that was God in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, 2020s. I believe that God has lost no power. I believe the same God that gave sight to the blind still has that power. I believe the same God that made lame legs walk still has that power. I believe God that, that, that did everything in the Bible, all of those miracles, I believe he has the same power. And I want to prove it today.
How do I want to prove it? The proof is not in my words. The proof is not in my prayer. The proof is in your faith. Everybody under the sound of my voice, even at home, if you can think of something that was mentioned today that you're tired of dealing with and you're ready to be delivered from, I want you to stand. But only if you have the faith to say, I'm moving. I know it's tough to keep living, but if God woke you up, he meant for you to live. I know it's tough to keep going, but if God woke you up, he meant for you to go on. Can I be real bold for a second? And y'all forgive me for being this bold. But if you know somebody in the sanctuary who's struggling with something I mentioned and you believe your faith is strong enough to worship God for them until they bounce back, I want you to find them before I pray. Don't worry about who's watching. If you love them, you ought to love them more than feeling embarrassed. I really, I really want to put the word in, into words today. I see you moving. I see you moving. You did not create me to worship. You did not create me to But you created me to worship you, yeah. And I believe it all right
right now in the name of Jesus. We're standing before you in all humility. But we're standing before you in transparency too, God. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. Nothing will ever change that. But God, some of us are really mad. Because you took something and somebody that was close to us. Some of us are hurting, God, because we've suffered some setbacks and some trials. Some doors have been slammed in our faces. Some things didn't work out like we thought they were going to work out. God, we're, we're frustrated because we have to live a life that we did not plan for. We're confused, God, because we don't know where to go and what to do. It makes no sense, God, because... I didn't see it going this way. Grief won't let me get out of bed sometimes. Sometimes I hate that I'm still living. Sometimes I'd rather be dead. But God, I know you have a purpose for me. Sometimes the pain gets so tough, God. That we turn to drugs, we turn to alcohol, we turn to sex. God, we know we shouldn't be with some people we've been with. We shouldn't go some places that we've gone. We shouldn't do some things that we've done, God. But you just don't understand the pain. We're doing what we got to do to get by. But God, we realize that's self-destructive. Your will is better for us than our worry. Your spirit is more healthy for us than our stress. Your destiny that you've written for us is more important than our depression. And so right now, God, we surrender our lives to you. We're tired of fighting. We're tired of being mad. We're tired of being bitter. We're tired of being sad. We're tired of crying. We're ready to live in victory. We're ready to live in peace. We're ready to live in joy. We're ready to live in happiness. But God, we need a touch from you. <clears throat> and God, what we've done is we've surrounded ourselves right now with some people who really believe in you, some people who really love you. And God, we're asking you to let us hold on to them while our faith is shaky, God. Let my worship be their worship. Let my praise be their praise. And God, for those who are standing in the gap, I pray that you'll give them a double portion of gratefulness, a double portion of thankfulness, a double portion of gratitude, a double portion of praise. Let us worship until they weather the storm. God, we want to be a testament to the world we want to show the world what trusting God is really like but God we need you right now because this picture ain't the best picture I don't know how much more we can take God I don't know how many more sleepless nights we can take I don't know how much more pain we can bear I don't know how much more grief we can stand God I need your joy back right now I need your peace back right now God, after this prayer is over, everything I came in with that I don't need, I'm leaving it with you. You, you know how to handle it. You've heard the words I've said. You've heard my emotions. You've heard my feelings, God. I owned up to it, but I'm leaving them here with you. I don't want them no more. I tell you what I would ask you for, beauty for my ashes. 
I ask you for that joy for my pain. I'll take off these mourning clothes and I'll put on the garments of praise right now because you've been good to me, God. You've been better than I deserve to have you have been. You watched over me more than you needed to. You protected me more than you needed to. You blessed me more than you needed to. I trust you, God. I might cry sometimes, but I trust you. I may hide in my house sometimes, God, but I trust you. I may try to let go every now and then, but God, I trust you. Help me to keep trusting. This prayer we pray in the name of Jesus. And all the people of God say it together, amen.